a winning formula. What we tend to recommend is, you know, contact anywhere from about 50 to 100 people per business day. Um, that's a small enough list where you can get it very personalized, but a big enough list where you can actually get, you know, meaningful meetings and opportunities from it. You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with me, Jason Hunt. The mission with this show is to discuss all things marketing, sales, and mindset. It's my hope for entrepreneurs like you to get the most from your efforts so that you can focus on what you do best. Let's go. The Merged Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Merged Media, your one-stop digital shop serving your digital marketing needs from search engine optimization to social media marketing. Need some help with your digital? Go on over to merged.ca and book your discovery call today. Now, this episode is 104 and it is featuring Dan Englander. And today we're going to talk about relationship sales at scale. And this is something that I personally truly believe in. Um, I I am personally inundated with emails as well as LinkedIn messages from SEO companies and white label services trying to get in front of me to purchase their services. And all of these mails look exactly the same. I can sniff it out a mile away and these emails are going straight to my spam box. Um, How to avoid that? Well, you're going to want to listen to today's episode with Dan where where we talk about building that relationship prior to the ask and some methods that he is using successfully to start relationships with new clients. You're not going to want to miss this episode. If you have a good guest for the podcast, go on over to podcast at merged.ca. Well, actually, you can send an email there. And, uh, and we are always looking for exciting guests for the podcast. And if you think you'd be a great guest for the podcast, go and send us an email. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Dan Englander. Dan is the CEO and founder of Sales Schema, a fractional new business team for marketing agencies, and he hosts the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. He's the author of Mastering Account Management and the B2B Sales Blueprint. He is coming to us today from New York and was just in Canada for the first time. Can't believe it. I know it's embarrassing, but uh, better late than never. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Cool. So for those of the, those out there today, what we're going to dive into is we're going to dive into how you can use relationships and really scale your business and that those opportunities are sitting right in front of you. We're going to get into that today with Dan. But Dan, maybe first you can tell our audience a bit about you and, and uh, how this journey into marketing began. You can start wherever you want. Yeah, totally. So I, I guess 10 years ago, I moved to New York in like 2010 out of college and then had a couple of uh, semi-predatory BS internships and, and then somehow landed a job uh, at an ad agency because that's just kind of where you end up if you don't know what the hell you want to do in New York, I guess. And more, this was the early days of social media. Uh, this was when, you know, you could the word community manager kind of existed and I was doing doing that, you know, kind of pitching lots of things and getting a feel for the agency space. Left that job, ended up uh, in, in a role basically as a kind of a split sales client service role, um, you know, helping to sell animated video and creative services to, you know, funded startups all the way up to the, the Fortune 500 and really, really learned a lot about that and just kind of had to deal with the early days of a company where 
Um, you know, I was shuffling back and forth between sales and client service, trying to find enough time to do both, never really having enough time, trying every tactic under the sun at first, not taking any ownership over being in a sales role and being like, ah, I'm not a salesperson. Um, and then learning a lot, kind of making that work and eventually helping that company grow. And we, when I left, we had, you know, 16 Fortune 500s, help them get to seven figures, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then started sales schema in 2014 and basically, with the goal of helping, you know, other people in similar positions, you know, uh, i.e., agencies, uh, marketing service companies, entrepreneurs, um, you know, go out and and keep that top of funnel full, regardless of however busy or not busy they are. And that's that's kind of what we've been doing since 2014. And what that typically means is we're uh, we're doing campaigns where we're going out to the market for our clients, doing outreach, you know, using using different channels. Uh, to make sure that those meetings are consistent, you know, and that's not always easy because we're selling into uh, skeptical markets. We're selling to people that get inundated by from, from pitches from agencies and related, you know, B2B service companies and stuff. Uh, so that's, there's a lot more I can get into on that, but that's kind of uh, how I got from A to B. Oh, cool. I think, mm -hmm. I think one of the big things is, is it's becoming very challenging for a lot of B2B businesses uh, in 2021, more so than ever. And maybe you can talk about some of those challenges that you're seeing that a lot of your clients are facing right now. Yeah, totally. So I think, uh, none of this is, should be lost on anyone, but I think, you know, with the world going more digital, it's sort of like everyone was on a treadmill and then the treadmill got turned up to, to nine and 10 and 11 and everyone's like running on it. Uh, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. So I think, I think the main trend is that, you know, when you're, when you have a business that you can start from a laptop and with an internet connection, it's just a matter of time before there is the perception of a lot of competition, you know, and a lot of people in that area. So that, that's, made it harder for you know our clients to open doors consistently right because the, the, that decision maker whether it's a cmo in the agency world or whatever title it might be for you um is, is getting inundated you know by other people saying purporting to do what you do and the amount of, of information they have is a lot higher than they might have in a previous era you know when different things were new oh social media what's this we need somebody to tell us how to do it and everything like that so there's a lot more skepticism um, and so on. And, you know, we're basically in what you would call like a, a mature market uh, for most marketing services and related B2B services. There's a good, there's a book that I love. Uh, if you can get your hands on it, great. It's kind of hard to find. It's called Breakthrough Advertising. It was written by Gene Schwartz in the 1960s. And he was one of these classic admin. Um, and he, he's just written, you know, some really timeless lessons. And among other things, what he talks about is the stages of market sophistication, right? Where we start out with something new. Hey, this is Facebook. It helps you connect with your friends. This is a car instead of a horse. And then they get through increasing levels of sophistication. And I could, you know, if we had more time, I could go through each level. But I think with, with the fifth level, which is the most skeptical, is kind of like what I consider to be most um, you know, most B2B buyers that are buying complex marketing services and similar things like that. It doesn't make it a bad market. It just means that the way that you connect with that person is by identifying with them personally and building trust and de-risking things. It's not so much about talking about features and benefits and the bells and whistles and all that stuff. So from a very high level, that's how we're thinking about it. I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. So it's interesting because, I mean, uh, I've been in the space owning my own agency since 2016, the beginning of 2016. And the way I, I would literally call 100 businesses a day to try to get their attention. And it was much easier back in 2016 
because in 2016, Facebook advertising was cutting edge. You know, oh, this is something new. I'll try it, you know, and they'll throw money at it. But if I call somebody today, I'm the 38th person that's called, you know, because it's become kind of a saturated market. So you do need to consider a new ways to approach that market to stand out from the competition. And a lot of it is alluding to what we're talking about here, Dan, which is building that relationship with the client. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, you hit the nail on the head there. And I think that, yeah, that was an option that was in front of, of a lot of agencies. And, and then it will be for a little while. The thing is like that life cycle will continue to happen. Maybe it's chat bots, right? Or maybe it's like some other influencer marketing, but that'll last for a shorter and shorter amount of time because of how fast information moves. So then the question is, okay, oh crap, am I in a bad business just because there's competition? What do I do? You know, and no, you're, it's not. It's not a bad business. It just means you're communicating in a different way with that buyer than you would if you were selling, you know, a brand new piece of metallic technology or a SaaS product is probably a better example, right? So what what that usually means for our clients is is like selling to the types of people that are likely to take a, a call with them, and likely and the reason you take a call with somebody is because there's at least a baseline layer of trust. So it's another way of saying the types of people that already have that baseline level of trust with our clients. So what this tends to look like is it's kind of like new school meets old school. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's about identifying those people and sort of um, doing what we call relationship sales at scale. So for example, a lot of our clients, when they have the very rare two hour block to dig through their Rolodex and say, ah, I saw this person knows that person and they're in this account that I want to do business with. I'll write them a custom email. People listening to this might've tried that before and it usually works pretty well. The challenge is the time and the effort and the, and the scale. So for what we do, for example, this is just one campaign. There's a whole bunch of things that, that we do, but this is one that we found to work well, is we say, okay, we're going to come up with a list of whatever, 5,000 companies you might want to break into. We're going to get on the same page that these are really good companies. Next, here's what you're going to do. You're going to export your list of LinkedIn connections. You're going to tell us everyone that you would feel comfortable asking for an intro from that at least loosely knows you. Some clients, that's 10 people. Some some clients, that's 100 people, 500 people, whatever. Whatever that is, what we're able to do through a lot of our, our processes is basically find everyone that those people are connected to who are in senior level positions in the right accounts and then ask all those people, hey, Bob, this is so-and-so. We haven't connected in a while. I saw you're connected with these three people. Um, we're doing some business development initiatives. You know, Would you, would you feel com comfortable making your intro? And what happens a big percentage of the time is people will say, yes, I, I do know that person. I'll make you the intro. Other times they might say, let's well, go on a call. I'll tell you exactly what to say to that person to get into that account. Other times they might say, sorry, can't help, but it's still applied interaction. That's usually what our clients are doing anyway. They're just doing it very slowly. Is there an so, incentive? Is it Sorry, is there an incentive to that? Like, hey, you know, you refer this business. We have this great referral program. Is there an incentive involved in that? Or are you just simply asking? So for our purposes, we're just asking because that usually takes us far enough. But yeah, you, you could put the incentive there. But what I found is that it's not going to make or break that person helping you. You know, they're usually going to either help you or they're not, regardless of that incentive, because the incentive is not going to be life changing. But yeah, you, you can you can do that. I think I think incentives tend to work better when there is an actual strategic partnership, right? When somebody is talking to your perfect buyer consistently or and or vice versa, that's where those incentives can help. But yeah, you could certainly do that. It can't hurt anything. Um, but that, that that's just one example. And other times we're going direct to the prospect. We have campaigns where we're able to say, okay, Jay, so you want to sell into you know, a giant, uh, I'm just making this up, like a giant um, uh, franchise brand. It turns out you went to the same college in Canada as the CMO. 
what's what's reach out to that person first as opposed to going to the CEO who you have no connection to at all. So that's that's the sort of way that we're thinking about it. And yes, we're going to talk about what our clients do and their bona fides, but we're not going to like send people through a funnel, right? Because they never asked to even get our message. If they get that, no matter how many amazing case studies you have, until they are qualified, until they're actually considering you and you've gotten their attention, those case studies aren't going to mean much, right? Um, so uh, this is this is outbound. This is outreach, and this is like it's it serves a different thing than if somebody's clicking on an ad and has that bleeding neck problem. But this is how this is the only thing that we're finding to work really well. Uh, and and you know we're, now we're in situations where our clients might be getting you know two, five, ten meetings a week like this, but they're with the right person and the right account that's willing to take their call because they're already kind of like pre-vetted based on a personal and or business commonality. So that's, that's how we like to think about it. So talking about, you mentioned there LinkedIn. LinkedIn <clears throat> is one of the big engines that, that you use in order to roll out the strategy. It's not the only engine though, right? So it's, it's, it's a little complicated. So basically what LinkedIn is great. It's a great source for, for data and figuring out where people are in various given companies. Yes, we have proprietary processes. And when we, when we do outreach, we're usually using email. Um, that's for a couple of reasons. For one, like LinkedIn's become very noisy and they are very much limiting how you can conduct outreach to people and how you can communicate with people. And my understanding, and this could change, but from what I can see and from what I understand, they are looking to become like Facebook. They are looking to have a situation where you pay money in order to reach your audience as you would expect them to. The problem with that is all these social media networks are becoming riskier and more fragile, right? And I think there's risk and reward, and I'm not saying you shouldn't use them. We do Facebook ads. We find that to work for ourselves. But I think that the risk has gotten kind of out of parity with the reward in that you could have a situation where you're buying ads on LinkedIn once they start Facebook, and then you get priced out. They, there's an algorithm change. We've seen this happen so many times. You're, I know you do a lot of SEO, Jay. That happens with SEO a lot. So I think, I know I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but um, I think it's more important than ever to actually own your list and to own your data, or at least have at least one successful channel that you own. So for that reason, we're really big into doing outreach over email. The other reason is that we, the the inbox is where we, we make decisions and do business, right? When we're in the inbox, we're getting stuff done. When we're on LinkedIn, maybe, maybe not, right? So that's the other thing. Um, but I think that you know, even if people don't hire us ever, there's a lot that you can use with this this mindset and this approach, right? Like you can go to LinkedIn right now and export everybody you, that you're connected to. Figure out just simple, keeping it simple, not getting it as fancy as we do. You can figure out, you know, who are you actually? Who who are those people connected to? And you know, and, and simply just like batching up networking intros can do a lot for you. Can probably get you a lot further than just doing a bunch of cold outreach or trying to send people through funnels and stuff. So that's, that's our experience anyway. So that's, so, so in terms of talking about the winning approach then, all right, we talked a lot about the challenges in terms of that winning approach. Um, you strongly believe email is, is the way to do that. And I'm just saying from experience as I'm one of those people that might be in that target audience that you're talking about, that's getting inundated with emails from SEO companies in India, offering me cheap SEO services for 199 bucks a month. Um, literally this is just noise and is a battle through my email inbox to decipher what's junk and what's good. Real quick guys, are your messages on social media falling on deaf ears? 
Are you having trouble converting those leads from social media? Well, there's a better way to do it. And that is by use of a lead magnet, something that provides immense value to your target audience that's irresistible and they can't say no. The goal here is to get that contact information from your ideal clients off of social media so you can put them into a nurture sequence so they can know, like, and trust you. If this sounds of interest to you, we've done dozens and dozens and dozens of these type of campaigns for our clients and we can help you out as well. Head on over to merged.ca and book your discovery call today. M-E-R-G-E-D.ca. What is that winning approach in terms of leveraging email to generate those leads? Yeah, I, I think email does seem to work well and has a lot going for it because you can own it. But we, we don't think about it as much about channel. I think that what we do would probably work, you know, maybe comparably well if we happen to send the message on LinkedIn or called somebody or whatever. It's more about the, the degree of personalization. So, so yeah, email lets you do it simple, more simply. Um, might as well use email. But it's more about that that level of personalization. So Jay, if that if that SEO company hit you up and said, "Hey, I saw you know we both went to the same college," or they said, "Hey, you know we're right next to you, in Mississauga," uh, and and I saw you've worked with like a client like this, then you know if, they're not going to need to do a whole lot more. You might still might not take their call, but the probability goes up, right? So that that's what we're thinking of. And at the same time, you can't send everyone a custom love letter. Like this is this is not doing that and sitting down and writing each person a 15 minute email, um, that's that's going to fall apart as soon as you get busy at all, right? So it's finding that fine line. So winning formula, what we tend to recommend is, you know, contact anywhere from about 50 to 100 people per business day. Um, that's a small enough list where you can get it very personalized, but a big enough list where you can actually get, you know, meaningful meetings and opportunities from it, basically. So it's 50 to, e, 50 to 100 customized emails per day. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got you. Okay, cool. Um, now in like, I know you guys spend a lot for marketing yourselves. So in terms of marketing yourselves, what are those, are you deploying the same tactics for yourselves as you would do for your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So that's been our biggest driver for new business historically has been outbound, right? So for example, we have campaigns where, um, you know, we figured out other people that went to the same college I did. We've had other second degree connections campaigns where it's like, hey, I saw you're connected to Bob Smith um, and you're in this account. By the way, we've done a bunch of work with accounts like yours. Can we talk? You know, that tends to work very well. Um, and, and we've gotten really, for clients, not, not me necessarily, we've gotten really crazy with it. Um, where we've done campaigns for people to play tennis together in college. We've gotten, I can't say names, but we've gotten um, meetings for clients with some of the biggest companies on earth with household names, uh, people that are on the covers of newspapers pretty frequently <laughs> in the business world. Um, so, you know, that's, this is, that's not tuning our own horn. It's just to show that it is a little, I guess um, it, it's to show that you really can reach anybody with email. It's really about the right words to the right person. And if you, if you can do that, you know, the, I think you kind of hit on this Jay, when we're going through our inboxes, it's a very binary thing. It's either like, I'm going to give this attention or I'm not. And as soon as you're going to give it attention, then it's like, well, the chances of you saying, yes, I'll go ahead. Uh, sure. I'll give you 30 minutes. And then once you have that 30 minutes, guess what? That's a relationship now. You know, even if it doesn't go anywhere right away, that's now a relationship you have with an ideal account. So, you know, if you take nothing else away from, from me right now, I think the biggest thing is you're just trying to de-risk a conversation. That's all you're trying to do with that email. And I think that 
a lot of the times marketers get that, but then we, we forget it, right? Because we're used to these sales pages that have to do all this stuff. But if you make a sales page, you're just trying to get somebody to read to the next line and the next line until they convert, right? So it's just, it's the same idea. It's just reinterpolated for B2B where people are way more skeptical and you can't, you have to kind of be a little slicker, you know? <laughs> so that's that's how we think about it. I, I, I truly believe what you're talking about here, Dan, it, it's the future, right? And I've said this many times in the podcast before, it's just like all these funnels and filters and and all these chat bots, many chat, all this stuff is, is just creating a lot of this automation that people are becoming numb to and people are becoming yeah. savvier and they want that human touch and that human connection. And and what you're talking about here, Dan, is, is totally in line with that. So, I mean, if, if, I mean, we have a lot of people on the podcast that listen to, uh, uh, that are entrepreneurs, small business owners. Um, but if I'm a small business owner and I want to get started with this approach and I'm in my LinkedIn, is the best way to do that? Just look at those connections and try to leverage those connections and start a relationship? I, I think that that's definitely a, a, a good possible campaign you can start with. I'm not saying that's right for everybody. Um, I think that Though the caveat that I'll give on everything that I talked about is it tends to work better for going after mid to large companies, right? It doesn't have to be a Fortune 500, but let's say like a well-established company where you can probably make I'm you know fifty thousand a year or something on that client lifetime value. I think that it also can work for going after a small, medium-sized business. Let's say you're marketing to like roofers or like it's all and you it's all about scale. You might have dozens and dozens of clients. It can work for that. I think it doesn't work as well because of the amount of time and energy it takes to have these sales calls with people, right? And to be working your way up the line to the right person and de-risking a conversation with somebody that is, you know, de-risking a conversation with a CMO at a mid-market company is kind of a different animal than trying to get a call to talk about Facebook ads with a roofer, you know, in Mississauga or whatever. So uh, so that's that's what I'll say is that we're everything we've learned is like definitely more on going a little more upmarket. Um, doesn't say it doesn't mean it wouldn't work. So that's that's a little context there. I think as long as we're kind of thinking in that in that way, um, for most people, you know, selling into mid to large companies, uh, it's going to be more about an account based approach. So I think a good starting place is figuring out, you know, something like that total addressable universe of accounts that you want to go after. And then it's really just about finding the right way to break in. Um, I think as opposed to thinking about that golden title, right? We run into this a lot. People are like, I want to, like, we know it's the CMO. We only want to talk to the CMO or whoever it is. Think more about who's senior enough in that company. So yeah, you don't want to talk to an intern or something, but who's senior enough where it's worth your time and then that you also share a connection with. So, so yes, the mutual connection thing could work too, but there's also plenty of resources for finding other connections. Maybe you've gone to a trade show, you know, and there's, and, and you can use it like three months ago. Hey, um, we went to Acme trade show three months ago. I saw that you guys exhibited there five years ago. Um, by the way, are you like thinking about doing that again? We were thinking about sponsoring it, you know, but by the way, we work with companies like yours. I'm just, I'm making this up on the fly. So it's not that good, but that's the idea is like, that's the level of personalization that you can get into where you can still, build a big enough list to get you results, but also have it include enough human touch to get somebody to, to talk to you. It's uh, you bring up, a, I love, um, I love what you say though, the phrase de-risking the conversation, 
de-risking the conversation because essentially when you go to a, a live trade show or a live conference or event, there's really, that's typically the way you talk to people. You're always de-risking the conversation. If I'm understanding that phrase correctly, it's basically just saying like, Hey, we're here to talk about other things aside from business. I'm here to earn your no like, and trustability, right? Like that's, yeah. that is that what de-risking the conversation is about? Yeah, totally. And if, and th that's actually a perfect metaphor is like, if you, if you've probably been, if you've ever been to a trade show, there's always like a good number of, of a good, like, percentage of salespeople that are just like need to slow their role, right? Like people at a trade show are there to get ideas um, and, and, and so on. They're not there to be sold to. You're there to like build a connection really quick, talk a little bit and then follow up after, and then, you know, actually get into a one-on-one -on -one situation. It's just not tenable to do that uh, when there's that much chaos and that many people and all this stuff going on. And, you know, there's not enough attention. So, it's the same thing with email. I mean, basically, if you think about it, the inbox is like a big trade show <laughs> that's just going on at all times. So that that's all that, that we're suggesting, yeah. Cool. Um, one thing uh, that you have on your website there, I noticed you talk about the right people and the right system. But what's more important, the right people or the right system? Oh, yeah, great question. Uh, the right people, yeah, because if there's – people are the foundation for everything if there aren't people there to invest the time and the bandwidth, nothing happens, right? So I think we see this a lot in our world with various SaaS products, various tech products, um, probably whatever, one to X times a week, we're on calls with people where they're like, we bought this piece of marketing automation software, so we were getting our act together and we're like, who's gonna work it? You know, who's gonna put the, this is just a tool, like it's, <laughs> it's not gonna do everything you need it to do. Um, and, and a lot of the times it's like somebody, it's the equivalent to like renting an 18 wheeler to move a one bedroom apartment, you know? So that, that's the biggest thing is, you know, we, we've had clients where they don't even have a CRM, they have a spreadsheet, but they're really, really good at sales and they're really focused on it. And that gets them further than anything else. So I think to talk about the, about people a little bit, um, in a perfect world, you know, you would have this division of duties and, we have a data arm of what we do and there's that, but we also have the service arm. The service arm is basically filling that BDR, that SDR slot, right? Where we're focusing on top of funnel, teeing up meetings for our clients and so on. Um, for, so, so there's us, or you could hire an SDR or a BDR, and then you have a closer, then you have an account manager, and then you have whatever other employees fulfilling on everything in the background, right? So I think that that's, that's great. If you, once you get to that spot, that's ideal. If you're not there yet, you know, like a lot of your, your audience might be in an earlier stage, entrepreneurs, et cetera, then you're just realistically going to have to wear a lot of hats. So even if you have to wear a lot of hats, um, the important thing is that you're all, you're thinking of yourself as, as if you're in those roles and dividing up your time accordingly, right? So for us, uh, for top of funnel, that really means kind of splitting up your time between three things, which we talk about as strategy. Um, systems and operations, and then just straight up hustle, right? So strategy is thinking about a lot of the stuff I've talked about so far. Uh, who are we talk? Who are we reaching out to? What's that connection in? What copy am I going to write to get them to talk to me? That's a different type of thinking. It's very creative than it is uh, than other things, right? So there's that. Then there's the systems and the ops that might be hiring list builders. It might be you know doing other things, getting the software already, um, and, and so on. And then there's hustle, which is just straight up following up with people. You know, I think an executive assistant could do a lot of that stuff or somebody else on your team, but following up with them, getting them to actually stick into your calendar and then onwards from there. And then from there, you know, assuming you've built the list well enough, 
now you're in the realm of the closer. Now you're in the realm of the person that is will that, that has the time and energy to invest in building the relationship, doing proposals, presenting things, et cetera, and so on from there. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm sure that gives some, that gives some good insight to a lot of business owners out there that are looking to scale and grow and, and kind of give some light at the end of the tunnel uh, for those people listening today, for sure. Dan, this has been uh, awesome. If our audience has any questions for you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, so, so we actually have a whole uh, webinar, if you don't mind me plugging in. It. It's just saleschema.com slash relationships, plural. Again, saleschema.com slash relationships. So that's that goes through a lot of the stuff. There's like screen shares and copy examples and stuff. Um, and beyond that, uh, saleschema.com and my email is just dan at saleschema.com. Always happy to, to connect and help out. Cool. You guys can check those out in the show notes for this episode, episode 104. And uh, we end every episode, Dan, with the same question. That question is this. If you could choose one person dead or alive to represent your brand, who would it be and why? Oh, man. I wish I had a, an answer thought up for you. Um, I don't know. I think Mark Twain would be pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> That'd yeah, be interesting. I'd love, I'd love to hear what he would come up with. It might be like kind of wry and subtle, but uh, that would be interesting. That's that comes to mind. Well, you'd have endless social media content with the amount of quotes that he has lingering out there. So I know, right? And then also misattributed quotes too. That's how you know somebody's big is when there's like dozens of quotes that he didn't act, he or she didn't didn't actually say. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, Dan, this has been awesome. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast and it would mean the world to me if you went on over to our podcast platforms to leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. If you are or you know somebody who would make for a great guest on the Merged Marketing Podcast, go on over an email, podcast at merged.ca. Thanks again, everybody. Don't settle for good. Be great.